This is a free download from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Uh, Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and really Angie's had this sort of parable on her heart for, been taught me for weeks and weeks, I think eventually it kind of got older me, so I've been kind of studying this and kind of fitting a little bit this morning with, uh, how many of you realise it's Pentecost Sunday this morning, how many of you knew that? Yeah, so uh, with all the various problems with the calendar, we kind of lose sight of that, but it's kind of Getting it all together, really. I want to talk about having a full lamp. And I mean, love the parables. I just love the parables. There's so much story, so much depth of things in, in the parables. So I just want to share a little bit about this great parable. It's from Matthew 25 and verse 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming, up to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Brianton and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Okay, so we just want to think of that. And really this is one of three parables because all, all the other, basically the three different parables that are kind of connected to this all, all talk about the, the different aspects of Jesus coming. I don't believe Jesus is coming again. And so these parables are all really connected with these aspects of him coming again. And it also shows different aspects of the ministry of Jesus. So the, the, the second parable is, 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 is the faithful and evil servant with, where Jesus is shown as king. Uh, the next parable, as you may know, the, t- the talents is, is a picture of Jesus being judge. And this parable is a picture, and I love this one, it's a picture of Jesus being the bridegroom. All aspects of his ministry. Uh, I was just thinking, of, as a bridegroom he comes, so we can encounter his love. As a king he comes with power. As a judge he comes to remove everything in his zeal that hinders love. But I love this sense this morning, as, this, as we're going to look at this parable. This identity that we're, that we're the bride of Christ. That's, that's such an incredible identity. That we are the bride of Christ. And this picture that we are, we are loved, we are cherished, we are just absolutely... Have, he has a burning, passionate desire for us. It's interesting that the, that the ministry of Jesus begins with a marriage. Is that right? And it also ends with a marriage. So there's something right there, isn't there? A marriage supper of the Lamb. How many glad you've got an invitation to go to that one? Uh, so there's this picture, this great picture that we are, we are the bride of Christ and, and we're the bridegroom. Now, 
with parables, often we lose sight of this, but we often kind of relate them to our own day. But I want you to see that often the parables related, if, I like, if you like, to, to what was relevant to stories that they related to in their own particular day. And actually, this is an incredible, if you like, a picture of, of what took place during uh, their culture. Something of the culture, what took place when, when they went through this. You know, the wedding, I'm afraid, was arranged by the father. <laughs> In those days, the wedding was arranged by the father. Whew. I'm only glad that's not totally true today, but the wedding was arranged by the father. And the bridegroom, what he would do, he would carry the money, which was for the dowry. There would be a contract, and he'd take wine. Now, I don't know why he took the wine for. Maybe that was to <laughs> steady his nerve. I don't know what it was for. And he would bring this proposal of marriage. And then when accepted, the bride, as a sign that she's accepted the contract, if you like, has accepted the engagement, would take the wine. <laughs> Reading to that way you like. But, and, even, and they were married, even though it wasn't kind of consummated. And so what, what would take place, that there would be a time for the woman to prepare herself for the bridegroom when he came. Now, I don't know about you, but this would be kind of a nightmare in my understanding as we kind of think of weddings and planning weddings that you didn't know when he was going to turn up the bridegroom. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine trying to plan something and you did not know when he was going to come? There was no, the, just, you didn't know when he was going to come. But when he came, they would all go out, they'd have this incredible procession, and in the procession they'd all come and greet the bridegroom. And there'd be this cry, the bridegroom comes, the bridegroom comes, and, uh, and they'd form this procession, and they'd all have these lamps to welcome the bridegroom as he came. So, when Jesus told this parable, it was, it was relevant. They knew that the procedure, what took place in weddings. And as you read this story, the real issue, really, was that they had to have burning lamps when he came. Burning lamps when he came. And the question, really, that this whole parable kind of throws at us, is either were wise or were, were foolish. The wise, if you like, were the ones that kept their lamp burning. And the reason why they kept their lamp burning was because they had an adequate supply of oil. And every believer, you'd be glad to know, is a lamp. Is that right? You're a lamp. That's why we've been talking earlier about Jesus in us. He's the, the light in us that we are meant to reflect. We are all, in a sense, burning lamps. We're all caught. The Bible says of John the Baptist, he was like a bright, shining lamp. Matthew 5, let your lamp so shine before men that they may glorify our Father in heaven. We're meant to be ones that just, we shine, we do something constructive for the kingdom. The issue really is not that we have lamps, it's whether our lamps are shining. And the only way they shine is because of the adequate supply of oil. And see the connection of that. It's all about, really, this whole parable is all about making sure that our lamps are full. We have full lamps that are full. How many know oil in the Bible is always a picture of the Holy Spirit? Is that right? It's a, supply, it's, a, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. In other words, all that we need to be burning lamps has been given. 
The Holy Spirit has been given. The Holy Spirit is the one, in almost, sometimes we're praying for more, but the issue is, is using what we have already, amen? Using what we've got, using what we have already. And it means that we need to take time to build intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We need to take time in the Word of God. We need to take time getting to hear His voice. We're going to, we need to take time yielding to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And oil in those days was used for fuel for the lamps. It was used for food. It was used for medicine. It was used for all kinds of things. And I found this. The oil of the Holy Spirit does various things in different ways in our hearts. The Holy Spirit tenderizes our hearts. So we begin to feel more of God's desire for us. It enlarges our desire for Him as we encounter His desire for us. How many love the fact the Holy Spirit illuminates things? Things that you, you never see, but the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate our understanding. It gives us a zeal for righteousness. It helps us with our struggle with besetting sins. And we need the supply of oil. And the whole purpose of this story is where Jesus is telling us that we need to build up a sufficient supply of oil. To have, a, to have an adequate supply of oil. You know what I like more and more? The, because it's great to be touched, and that's wonderful. But the goal of the Christian life is to be consistent day by day by day Moment by moment, we're filled with oil. That's what it's about. Really, it's about making sure that this isn't just a one-off thing. It's a day-to-day, moment-by-moment time that we are continually filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? I love encounters with God. How many love encounters with God? And I found that sometimes we, we need an encounter to be an encounter. I need, all of us need to learn the secret of a day-to-day, moment-by-moment supply of oil of the Spirit. You know, one thing that kind of struck me more and more, and it kind of, I don't know what it is, it kind of keeps coming to me more and more and more, how the fact that God, God's supply never runs out. Isn't that awesome? I just love this fact that everything he does is endless. His love's endless. His power's endless. Everything he has and everything he does for us is endless. You never come to an eye, an end of his supply. And the Holy Spirit has endless supply for all who are willing to connect themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to be filled of their life. I was the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Isn't that wonderful? I just want you to, to see, to show you the importance this morning of just being filled with the Spirit. Because there's the point. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you'll always be filled with something else. You know what I mean? It's impossible to be filled. You're either really filled with the Spirit because the, the less we're filled with the Spirit, that means there's a vacuum, and where there's a vacuum, we'll be filled with other things. Is that right? We'll be filled with complaining or, or disappointment or guilt. The less we're filled with the Spirit, the more we will be filled with other things. And I think unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the danger is this, that we have a form of godliness. It's a form. And the Bible warns us about having a form and no power. 
The church today needs to learn the lesson of being a church of power. And the only way we become a church of power is to be filled with the oil of the Spirit. I think that oil brings, it brings a vibrancy. It brings a, 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 a new joy into our hearts. The greatest life of all to live is a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? That's the highest life you can ever live. And I'm not talking about necessarily just doing the things, doing various things, that's great, but I'm talking about on a day-to-day moment, the incredible delight of living a day-to-day, moment-by-moment life filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Filled, controlled by the Spirit. Let me give you a few keys that that enable you to live a day-to-day, moment-by-moment life filled. How many believe that's possible, for example? How many believe that's possible to do that? I think there's different keys that enable us to live a a day-to-day, moment-by-moment life filled with the Holy Spirit. George mentioned last week, for one of them, about praying in tongues. I think that's a powerful way to stay filled with the Spirit, praying in tongues. Just to learn the the wonderful thing. Because the Bible says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And that word edify means recharge. Recharge is the battery. How many know that day to day we need to be recharged? And for my own personal life, I've found as I pray in tongues, it energizes me. It recharges me. It kind of where my batteries are going a little bit flat. How many have felt that sometimes? You know, know, the the power of the Spirit comes and it energizes and and refreshes and renews. And and I've found as incredible stuff happens when you pray. In the spirit, something connects, something happens, something comes alive, something brings you into deeper things of God. I think the next thing is this meditate on the Word of God, pray the Word over your life, think on it, give your attention to it, have a Bible reading plan, confess it, believe what, what it says. You know, we just sang today, and it's a scriptural de- declaration, you know. The same spirit that raised Christ is alive in me. And, you, and that's a great confession. To, to wake up and say, thank you, Lord. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in me. I kind of like to do things like when I look in the mirror, I need some encouragement. So, so I, I like to declare great things. Oh, God, thank you. I'm so wonderfully made. And, you know, thank you, Lord, that's, that I'm a new creation in you. And, and you're, you're fine. Something comes alive when you think on the word, speak the word, meditate on the word. It begins to stir and cause that oil to flow in you. I think here's the third thing. Appreciate the Holy Spirit. Give honour and gratitude. And that gives access to God. How many find this happens in every area of your life? If you want good relationships in every area, then appreciate the relationship. In this truth, if you honour and appreciate relationships, they grow. It's when you begin not to honour and have gratitude to those relationships that distance can come. Is that right? Now, if that is true in the natural, I think it's true with the Holy Spirit. We need to say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're living in me. Thank you that you're empowering me. Holy Spirit, I appreciate you today. Come and talk to me today. Come and reveal more of Jesus to me today. How many realise the Holy Spirit isn't a force 
The Holy Spirit is a real person. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit. You can talk to Him. You can commune with Him. Because He's real. And you can talk to Him. He's a real person. And I think sometimes we forget the reality of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a word that I kind of learned. I think it's Mike Bickle who shared this. It kind of stuck with me. And I kind of, kind of do this most nights. And it's based on the word trust. And usually before I go to bed, and Emily found that's a good time just to commune right there. To say, Holy Spirit, I thank you. Holy Spirit, come and reign in me. Holy Spirit, give me understanding. Holy Spirit, come and strengthen me. Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you. And you just have this communion on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment. And the more that you do that, the more you'll discover the reality of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Commune with him. Begin to yield with him. Yield yourself to him. The Bible says, present your, present your bodies to God. And that's a great thing to do. Say, Holy Spirit, I just present my eyes to you. Just use these eyes for your glory. I present my ears. Help me to hear what you want me to hear. Present my tongue. Help my tongue to be under your control and your rulership. And so, in all these different areas, you yield to the Holy Spirit. I think another way to keep your oil going is to practice dealing with issues. Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that word grieve there means to sadden the heart. And as you read it, it's in Ephesians 4 verse 30, and as you read that, it tells us about certain things that grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4 we see a whole list of things. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, anger, talking falsely. All those things grieve the Holy Spirit. Why do they grieve the Holy Spirit? Because they, as we begin to allow them into our lives, we become insensitive to the Holy Spirit. We lose that ability to be sensitive to what he's doing, why he's working in us. And the great work, because everybody knows the Holy Spirit is called a dove, is that right? He's a dove. Which means he can be easily kind of drove away. And so we, we want to sort of be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. And that list in Ephesians 4 tells us those are the things that grieve him. Those are the things that hinder him in our lives. I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, that says this. And actually speaking about prophecy. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit, and we can also quench the Holy Spirit. And that means to, to, to kind of, almost to turn him off. To, to cut the flow. How many have found that sometimes you feel the flow of the Spirit working in you, and then maybe there's a wrong reaction, and you suddenly feel that flow cutting off. And the Bible says, don't quench the flow. Don't cut off the flow of the Spirit. Don't get in His way. See, grieving Him all has to do with character. Where quenching Him has to do with power. How do you doubt a fire you put a wet blanket on it? How many times can that happen? The power of the Spirit is moving. Then something happens and we almost put like a wet blanket on the Spirit. And so we want to say, Holy Spirit, we don't want to quench you. We don't want to grieve you. We just want you to have your full way in our lives. Can you say amen? 
Come on, have your full way in our lives. Something else that struck me as I thought about this. You know, oil didn't start off as oil. Is that right? I know it's obvious, but it didn't start off oil. It started off as an olive. You have to go through a process. You know what I found in life? How many have found this? There are often there's things that, that to get to a promise of God, sometimes we've got to go through a process. We've got to go through a journey. In other words, that, that sometimes if we don't go through the process, if we don't go through the journey, we never come into the fullness of what God's got for us. I was just thinking about this. See, without a process, there's no history. Without a history, there's no confidence. In other words, without the process, you don't know how to really get there. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Say if I was to get, if I, say if I wanted to find somewhere on Guernsey. And I didn't know how to get there, which is usually the way, but, and every day you drove me there. Every day I couldn't get there, but you drove me there. But then there come a time when, when you wasn't there. And as you've been driving, all I've been doing is looking out the window and having a great time. This is so cool. I'm not even worrying about it. I just know you're... So I get in that car, you're going to take me there. I don't worry about the process. I don't worry about getting there. I just know I'm going to get there. But then there comes a problem. You're not there one day. How do I get there? I've not even noticed how I got there. And that can be true often in the Christian life. God wants us to go through a process so that we learn how to get there. Because it gives us confidence. If I don't know how I got there, then I've got no confidence that when that situation arises. It's wonderful to lay hands on someone, but what about when there's no one there to lay hands on you? What about when you've learnt the process for yourself to get there? And often the things in God, which is a process, a step-to-step process, so we learn how to get to the destination. And it's the same with oil. There's a process... For oil from the olive. There's the first thing. I, I, I read about the process that, that happens with, with oil. You know what they do? And this is not, maybe not what they do now, but in Bible times, this is what they did. The first thing they did was they would hit the olive tree with poles. And I think that speaks of the cross. No oil we would be produced in our life without the cross. And we need to allow the cross to work its work in us. We need to die to those things that are stopping us from entering into the fullness of God. Attitudes, things that sometimes we need to die to, that we need to take to the cross, that we need to put the nails through so that we can come and enjoy the fullness of the Spirit. How many are glad for the working of the cross in your life? that puts to death often the things that hinder what God wants to do with us. You know, the next thing they did, they would shake it. They would shake that tree, they would shake it. They'd just shake it. You know, I found sometimes, you know what's the most powerful ways oil is often going to be produced in your life? It's when you, and we don't like to hear this, but here's the truth. It's when you go through the trials. It's when you go through that shaking. How many have been there? You're going through the shaking. And you keep your heart right, you keep your attitude right. And in the midst of that shaking, I tell what's going to happen. You're going to produce oil. I have found that some of the most painfulest, biggest trials in my life have been the moments where God has produced an incredible supply of oil. Can you say amen? And the third thing they did was they would crush it. Ever seen it? They kind of... 
Uh, hopefully they don't do it now, but in those days they would kind of trumpet on their feet, you know, the big things, and they'd run around and just trample it. I'm really glad you don't, they don't do that now. That's how they would do it, they would crush it. And I think sometimes there's this kind of crushing experience. And that has to do with kind of separating us from things that, that kind of pull us away from God. That kind of separation from things that want to hinder us and pull us away from God. And God often brings us through crushing experiences. So we learn to, to separate from those things that are just hindering God in our lives. So that's the process often that takes place. The beating, the shaking, the crushing. And the whole point about it is that so oil might be produced. Why is the oil produced in us? Why does Jesus put that oil in us? So it may be manifested. It's not about just holding it in. It's about learning to release what he's put in us. Is that right? That's the goal. He doesn't just put it in us just for us to have a good time. He pours oil into us so in various ways we can manifest it. We can manifest his love. We can manifest his peace. We can manifest his strength. That we can manifest his joy. It's all about God pouring the oil in us so we begin to reveal it to a hurting and broken world. We manifest what he wants to put in us. Look at verse 3 of this thing. Let's go through quickly through it. Look at verse 3. It says, They were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and they took, notice this, no oil with them. They became aware that they lacked the substance they needed. And I think something God wants to pour on us because notice this, they were called virgins. In other words, they'd been set aside for God. But they became aware there was a dimming in their spiritual life. They never had what was needed for that moment. There was a dimming. The light was dimming out. And what God wants to do sometimes is, is cause an awareness to rise in us. If you feel your light is dimming, if you feel you're not shining as you once used to shine, if you like, if you feel your influence is waning, God's plan for you is to be filled. The wise were the ones who made adequate supply of oil. In other words, they said, my priority is to be filled with oil. And the wise person is the one who says, my priority, my Christian life, is to be somebody who's filled with the oil of the Spirit. That's my priority. That's the main thing above all things. This is the priority, because this is the only way I'm going to make it. This is the only way I'm going to be all that God called me to be, is to be a person that's filled with the oil of the Spirit. Can you say amen? Have thought why they weren't filled with oil? See the answer in verse 5 there. It says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they all slept. They had no oil because they were asleep. You know, when you dream, when you dream, when you're asleep, you do things you never think was possible in your dreams. Anyone found that? I found, I mean, I've found this, but I thank God. I've had amazing spiritual dreams. Anyone have had that? Just amazing dreams. Amazing spiritual dreams that have just absolutely impacted my life. God has spoken to me in dreams. 
He's put people in a dream for me to connect with. You know, I remember one guy, we hadn't seen him for years and years, a friend in Birmingham, not seen him for years and years and years. And for two days I dreamt about him. Don't know why, I just kept dreaming for about two days. And when I contacted him, his wife had got breast cancer and I was able to go to Birmingham and I was to pray with him and just be with him right there at that moment. And I just know that was a God given. How many have had those dreams? And, and God does speak. How many believe God speaks in dreams? I really believe that. I've had so many dreams and so many things God's spoken to me and revealed to me through dreams. And it's wonderful, wonderful. Other kind of dreams. I remember, my, my, you know, I, I love this dream. I, I, I didn't want to kind of wake up from this dream. I remember scoring the winning goal, the FA Cup. I remember that. I, I love that dream. That was a, wow, that was a great dream. That was, I love that dream. And there's all kinds of dreams. I mean, another dream I don't like, I remember that dream where you're kind of on a bridge. And you're walking on a very, very tight bridge. And it's very high up. Ever had that dream? No, it's just me. Or the other one, when you're running, you don't seem to be getting anywhere. You just keep running and you're just not getting anywhere. I hate that dream. And you wake up thinking, or ever been shot in your dream? You know, these dreams, you think, and you wake up thinking, I am so glad that was a dream. How many have had that? I'm just so glad that's a dream. And you find yourself sometimes in dreams doing things that you never thought that you would do. It's just like, wow, this is amazing. And then you, you realize it was just a dream. Spiritually, that can happen in our lives. That when we're not spiritually awake, we don't do the things we're meant to. But when you're spiritually awake, you find yourself doing things you wouldn't do if you were spiritually awake. When you're spiritually awake, you see your need for prayer. When you're spiritually awake, you're awake to God's purpose for your life. When you're spiritually awake, you've got a heart for the lost. When you're awake, you're awake to the reality of his presence. And here's the danger sometimes. If we spiritually slumber, we suddenly wake up and think to ourselves, I can't believe I am where I am. How did I get there? How did that passion go? How did I get into that apathetic place? How did that happen? Because I, some way, something happened and I lost my ability to be spiritually awake. And part of being filled with the oil is this. It enables you to be continually awake. Look what they said in verse 8 of this. They said, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are burning out. What is that? That's a picture, really, of the absence of the filling of the Spirit and the lack of fresh oil. And I think when we lack fresh oil, you know what begins to happen? That love that we have for Jesus isn't what it used to be. That love that we had to tell people about Jesus isn't what it used to be. That desire for prayer isn't what it used to be. That hunger for his word isn't what it used to be. And we can blame maybe a lot of things, but it comes down to this one thing and this one thing of alone. Lack of Oil. Because I tell you this, when the oil's flowing in you, you just love him with a passion. When the oil's flowing in you, 
you just love to worship and be in his presence. When that oil's flowing in you, you just love his word. And you love what his word begins to personally say to you. Can you say amen? When the oil is running low, we lose the excitement and the passion that we once used to have. Because our oil is running low. Because the oil stirs up these things in us. And these, these women said, we want what you have. We want it. Give us your oil. You know what? Nobody, actually nobody at all, can transfer heart preparation to another. Because there's the point. Everyone has to pay a price, a personal price for their own oil. I love reading some of the great men of God. How many love that? Some of the great stories, some of the great men of old. Some men have just changed nations and I just love reading their stories. It's amazing. It's awesome. But I found this. For every one of them, they had to pay a price. Many of them suffered incredible persecution. Some of them, we see them as heroes today. But in, that, in those days, they weren't heroes. People would laugh at them. People would mock them. People would, would absolutely tear them to pieces, would criticise them unbelievably. They paid a very high price. And for every person, I really believe, in order to have a vessel filled with oil, often there's a price to pay. Now, you don't earn it. I see it as an investment. I'm investing for oil, amen. I'm making an investment I don't earn it, I don't deserve it, but I'm making an investment to get oil. I'm building a devotional life. I'm seeking to walk in obedience. I'm seeking to be as committed to him as I can. I want to serve, give, love, all those things because I realise I want to pay the price because I want the oil. Amen? I want the oil. And here's what happens. The bridegroom suddenly appears. Remember I said I didn't know when he's coming? And suddenly he comes. And the Bible says that because they didn't have the supply of oil, the door was closed. And I felt strongly today that that speaks of doors of opportunity. I think we can often miss opportunities because we weren't filled with the oil at that moment. How many have had that? Ever had that experience? I've been there. Where suddenly something happens, and because you're not filled with the oil that you know you should be, you don't make the most of that door of opportunity that comes. And I wonder today, how many opportunities we miss? How many people have not been reached? How many people we could have influenced? The difference we could have made with someone's life? If only at that moment we would have been filled with oil. You ever thought about this? Because, you know what strikes me sometimes? Imagine if the bridegroom would have come three days earlier. They'd have been ready, is that right? If he'd have come three days earlier, yes, we were ready. But he came right at that moment. You know what that tells me? I can't live off yesterday's experience. 
a few weeks ago. We had the most awesome, amazing time. I can't live off that. Some of you may have had a great touch on last Sunday, which was amazing and wonderful. Praise God for that, but you can't live with that. Yesterday is gone and finished. I can't live on yesterday's experience. I mean, how wonderful, how great they are. Praise God for it. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But I can't live in today with yesterday's experience. Is that right? I think more and more that, that God said to me while we were away after a few weeks, he just said one simple phrase. I am, I am the, uh, I am God. In other words, I'm the God of the now. Right now. No matter what the past has been, how many mistakes I made, how many mess ups I made, past finished over. No matter how great the experiences were, awesome, wonderful, over. I am the now God and I live in the now. And you may have been filled with the Spirit a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, three months ago. And the question is not about that. The question is now. Am I filled right here and now? Because that's the question. That's the burning issue that this particular story is showing. Let me close with this. Time has gone. Look at verse 12. Let me close with this one. This is powerful. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, verse 11, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now that word there, I didn't know you, actually, as you studied in the Greek, it actually means, I never knew you in an intimate way. That's what he's saying. I never knew you in a place of intimacy. And that's what the oil brings. The oil of spirit wants to bring you into intimacy. And what he said is that I never knew you. Really, our hearts never really connected together. There's no real connection. There's no real heart-to-heart heart, heart intimacy. I never knew you in that place. In that challenge... I never knew you in a close, intimate way. You know, you can be, and I know it's probably not, and I know it's probably not true anyone here, but you know where the reality is? You can be a married couple and you can just be together. but not really connected with heart together. Not really be in heart to heart. In other words, being together, we're almost living apart. That's our subs- there's been stories of people living that way, together, but not really together. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the way we can be with him. We can be in relationship with him, but not really intimately connected to him with a passionate love for him. And he wants us today. He says, I want to know you, but I want you also to know me. <laughs> to be intimately, heart to heart, Bible says we're, 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 we're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. There's that unity, that oneness. The greatest prayer that Jesus ever prayed, and it blows my mind, I can't totally grasp it, but he says, Father, I pray that as you and I are one, that I may be one with them. Isn't that awesome? Wow. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Father, as me and you are so connected together, I pray that I will be just as connected to them. Isn't that mind-boggling? But that's what he wants, that unity, that connection of heart to heart with him. That is so deep, that is so deeply connected. The only comparison you can ever give to it is the Father's relationship with Jesus. Wow. That's the kind of thing he's looking for.
And you say, Lord, I want the filling. I want the oil of the Spirit. Let's just stand, shall we, right now. Let's come before him. What a challenge that parable is, isn't it? What a challenge. And this is the heart of Jesus. He wants to see a company of people that are ready, prepared, filled with his oil. Wow. Absolutely saturated with the oil of his spirit. And when that happens, I just think, just wow, it's limitless to what God can do. When he's got a company of people, they're just saturated, filled with the oil of the Spirit. Things are going to, islands are going to be shaken, all kinds of things are going to happen. Not by might, not by power. Oh, may we learn that lesson. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. I want you just to, why you lift your hands now. Say, Lord, today I want to be filled with oil. I want to be so filled with the oil of the Spirit. Just fill me with the oil of the Spirit. Saturate my whole being. I come in need of saturation today. I can't live this life without without saturation. I can't be all that you've called me to be. I can't be the influence. I can't be the light I'm meant to be. Unless I'm saturated with your Spirit. Just saturate me, fill me, that I will be a burning lamp bringing great glory to Jesus. In a fallen world, fill my lamp. Let me remember that song. Fill my lamp with oil, keep me burning. I remember that. Lord, we pray that right now. We pray for every life, we pray for every heart, Lord. I pray right now, Lord. Pray for my own life today, God. Just fill us with the oil of your Spirit. Lord, we come today, we, we, we can't do all that you've called us to be. We can't be those burning lamps, Lord, unless we're filled with your oil. And we come today, we're hungry, we're desperate, we want the oil of the Spirit. And I say today, would you saturate us with oil? Well, I pray that every part of our being today will be saturated with your oil right now. Release the oil of your Spirit upon every heart, every life, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now in this moment. And we say we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you so much. We see our own weakness. We see our own vulnerabilities today, Lord. At times we see our own powerlessness. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you just come and just saturate us. Come as the oil. Give us the oil of joy. Where we feel down and discouraged, I pray, God, release the oil of gladness. Let the oil of joy flow us, Lord. Let us be exhibit the, the oil of joy, the oil of gladness of God. I pray, Lord, fill us with fresh oil. David cried out, Lord, we be filled with fresh oil. We don't want stale oil, Lord. We want to, feel like we want an oil change. Fill us with fresh oil. Fresh oil, oil of the Spirit, oil of power, oil of joy, oil of anointing, oil of strength, oil of peace, Lord. Release your oil right now. We release it upon every heart and every life right now. Just praise Him. Just thank Him. Let that oil just saturate every part of your being. Let every door, every barrack come in and just fill you afresh and anew with His oil. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Say, Lord, today I don't want my heart to grow cold. I don't want my vision to dim. I don't want to. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared day by day, moment by moment. 
oil. This verse comes to me when I close with this. It says about Aaron. It says, it says, Blessed are those who dwell together in unity because it's like the oil that falls off Aaron's beard. And I see that picture right now. That Everywhere Aaron went, he left a footstep, a mark where he'd been there. And the Lord is saying to us today that he so wants to fill you with oil that you're going to leave a mark wherever you go. A mark is going to be left because you were there. A mark. Something is going to be left in that situation, in that atmosphere, in that home, in that environment. You're going to leave a mark because of the oil that he has placed upon you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.